Bobby Fish, Mercedes Martinez, Leon Ruff, Tyler Rust, Bronson Reed, Jake Atlas, Ari Sterling, Kona Reeves, Zachariah Smith, Asher Hale, Giant Zangiers, Devon Smith, Desmond Troy, Rick Flair, Bray Wyatt, Chase Parker, Matt Martell, Killian Dane, Marina Shafir, Arturo Rias, Kurt Stallion, uh, Sunil Singh, Samir Singh, Lars Sullivan, Big Show, Steve Cutler, Andrade, Billy Kay, Peyton Royce, Samoa Joe, Kalisto, Chelsea Green, Mickey James, Tucker, Bo Dallas, Mojo Raleigh, Wesley Blake, Jessamine Duke, uh, Kavita David, uh, Vanessa Bourne, Skylar Store, Ezra Judge, uh, uh, Alexander Wolf, Velveteen Dream, Braun Strowman, Lana, Buddy Murphy, Alistair Black, Ruby Riot, August Gray, Aria Davari, Tony's niece, Tyler Breeze, Fandango, Santana Garrett, and Tino Sabatelli. Welcome to the Shoot Brothers <laughs> Wrestling Podcast. Of course, this is a wrestling podcast. It's online. It's hosted by myself, Cameron Osborne. It's also hosted by Mike the Shoot Shepherd. You are listening. What? That's you. Yeah. You are listening to episode 142, I believe. 143. God, too many of these episodes start off with me saying the wrong episode number, and I don't realize that until much, much later. Uh, but what you just heard is the uh, the official updated 2021 WWE release releases. I mean, I hesitate to even say the releasing anymore. Um, Mike, it sort of feels like uh, there were, uh, the releasing part one and the releasing part two had a very Friday the 13th part one and two type five. But remember it was somewhere around like f maybe part four where they abandoned the initial kind of canon of who Jason Voorhees is and they kind of just rebuilt him up to be just a a guy, like a zombie, a zombie slasher <laughs> kind of guy, or maybe Mike yeah. Myers would be a better uh, Michael Myers would be a better example because I think <laughs> they also kind of did a thing and then they tried to bring it back. Said, we don't even call them the releasings anymore. We don't even call them victims. No, we just call them professional wrestlers at this point. Uh, NXT had a huge chunk of releases. I think twelve ish. Biggest names up there being yeah Bronson Reed, Bobby Fish, Mercedes Martinez, yeah, uh, who all have been featured on TV. I mean, within the last like month. Yeah. Bobby Fish just wrestled his buddy Roddy Strong the week before. And mm -hmm. little did we know it was a loser leaves NXT match. <laughs> I think at this point, at this point on the main roster and on NXT, every single match should that should be the stipulation. It should yeah. be loser like, is let go. Yeah. It's Vince's new thing. When he was obsessed with two out of three falls, now he's obsessed with. Loser leaves WWE. <laughs> just obsessed with releasing people, but that's exactly <laughs> it. So, um, so that's what happening right now. Uh, a bunch of NXT people released, and who the hell knows what's up? Yeah, I mean, again, Bronson Reed. He was just your North American champ. There was all these rumors of call-ups. Mercedes Martinez. Uh, uh, yeah, she's been. She's one that I think should go to AEW. She's. Uh, She's performed with AEW before, and she would be yeah. a huge pickup for that uh, for that women's division. I think didn't she win their battle royal, the women's casino royal? Once? She won something once, maybe like yeah. pre, <laughs> yeah, like maybe in the like super a... virgining stages of all elite wrestling. Yeah, it might have been the first all out or something. Yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah, it's crazy. At this point, though, it's not crazy, but it is. And the fact that it isn't makes it even crazier. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I do know what you're but, saying. The fact that it's now kind of commonplace. Uh, yeah. And this especially. I mean, 13 people from NXT at once is pretty big. Uh, I mean, this was all Vince McMahon. This, I'm sure Triple H has got to be like, bro, uh, you just cut out half my team. You got my roster. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, a couple of these names, obviously, were probably not. Like Giant Zangier and Zachariah Smith. Yeah. You know, we don't know much, but the potential, we don't even know. We'll never know. But uh yeah, it's crazy. Just they're they're just on a on this 
Anyone's a victim. It is. It's Friday the 13th, part seven. There's this body count. It's out of control. Um, and Vince McMahon is Jason Voorhees. <laughs> He's just slashing them all up. Um, I'm, uh, yeah. <clears throat> I'm surprised we didn't more see this coming. Or Well, uh, now I'm just going to assume every week there's going to be more releases. And it's always right after our show, the same night or the it next It is, day. yeah. So, yeah, we are sorry <laughs> about that, listeners. As soon as we record a podcast, something terrible happens in the professional wrestling world. Uh, but I think this... Yeah, I'm more surprised that we did not see it coming in retrospect. <laughs> in retrospect, thinking that NXT moved to Wednesdays to be direct competition with All Elite Wrestling because they didn't want people watching All Elite Wrestling. And then guess what? Dynamite won. Like, NXT lost. They kind of bowed out, right? And this was coming, uh, you know, a year and a half into All Elite Wrestling, but a year and a half into... Remember there was that point where WWE was just stockpiling their talent? They were just like, you know, Lana got an extension and then, of course, subsequent early release and all these. Everybody was just getting re-upped because mm -hmm. Vince, whoever, Tony or what's the other con? The other con. Nick. Nick con uh, just didn't want they didn't want people to go over to All Elite Wrestling. And then mm -hmm. maybe there's this point where they realize they lost the war and now they have so much money that they have to pay to these performers that they had no intention on keeping in the first place. Or they had no intention on using in the first place. We talked about it was a shoot interview with Tay Conti a couple weeks back where she had told when she had expressed her desire to go with the All Elite Wrestling, NXT offered her a lot of money to not wrestle, but just to not go there. Uh, and now you could be seeing that with a lot of these NXT performers. Yeah, and I mean, the contracts themselves aren't really worth what they're written out as because they can cancel them at any time and just give you three months' worth. So, mm -hmm. we're in the stake of NXT, 30 days' worth. And I mean, I guess, I guess the NFL does the same thing, but pretty much every other sports league in the world, if you sign a contract, they owe you that money. So it's weird. Yeah, unless you're in one of those buyout situations, which I still honestly yeah. don't understand how it works. Uh <laughs> but still, it should be like, there should be some. It's like, yeah, we'll pay you for three years, so you're going to get a paycheck for the next three years. Yeah. That. <laughs> no, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. So, um, yeah, the landscape is changing. Out of that kind of crew, uh, yeah, Mercedes Martinez is the one that kind of stands above the rest for me personally. I think she could show up yeah. in any of the women, the NWA, Impact, uh, or AEW women's division, I think would all benefit from having a vet like her. Bronson Reed is a little more of an interesting thing for me. Where yeah, He seemed like a like a big homegrown NXT kind of guy. Like, we're building him up, we're giving him lots of wins, we're hyping him. Now he's gone. Certainly, yeah. It seemed like a big guy, but then maybe, you know, I mean, certainly being released is going to be a little bit of a tarnish, right, on your kind of resume, even if it's not intentional, whatever. Yeah, the guy can still do stuff where he would be best. It's, you know, it is really hard to tell, especially because AEW's division is pretty fucking stacked. And, and uh, you mean, know, they're, they're stacked already with their own homegrown kind of guys. Yeah, maybe this is Vince's plan. It's to just flood the market, uh, so all the big names get snatched up, but all those middle guys are kind of left floating. He's like, "Ah, I've diluted the market." Yeah, he could be. He could be out there playing chess, right? Uh, if I am a, 
lower level AEW type of guy, you know, who gets fucking, uh, who gets some dark matches, gets some elevation matches or whatever. I feel like I would rather hang around that scene than go over to Vince because I feel like if you go over to Vince, you could lose your job in a few months uh, without actually ever doing anything wrong. Yeah, that's uh, definitely got to be coming more and more of a factor every time one of these releases happens. And for guys like, uh, for guys, you know, like the the hottest impending free agent, Adam Cole, Bebe, who I my shoot meters fire in all the way to Dynamite. Um, <laughs> your shoot meter is a little bit different, I think. Uh, but I think if you, middle, have you but... seen that video of when Adam Cole found out, Bebe, found out that Tyler Breeze was being like, uh, was being released? No, oh, you gotta watch. He's Twitch streaming. That's why the video like exists. So he's so playing real. So he's, pl emotion. he's playing his video game. Uh, or what I don't remember what it is and then you know it's a twitch stream so you see his head in the bottom corner and then he's playing and then he gets like a boop 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 and then he looks at his phone and just the look on his face of my best friend just lost their job you know like that's oh, huge that is huge yeah. that's gonna be huge on your psyche and then what happened next right Bobby Fish lost his job I mean if I'm Adam Cole and I'm thinking to myself I've always wanted to work for this company but they've just fired my two best friends for no uh, for no reason besides trying to save a couple bucks that doesn't sit well with me yeah I mean uh, I mean yeah a big decision is coming for mr. Adam Cole is there a uh, is there is, is there a rampage right after SummerSlam or something? Can we get him like literally the next day? <laughs> I mean, there's dynamite and rampage. So yeah, let's get him. Free. It's it's possible, but who knows? Uh, yeah, apparently Vince himself is making pitches to Adam Cole, and if I'm Adam Cole, I want ironclad, non-cut contracts. If I'm even thinking about. Well, and that's what I'm thinking now. If you're a big star who wants, who, you know, is being offered WWE contract, I'm putting there in my contract, I will be on, you cannot release me. Yeah. You can yeah. only release me for, like, drug offenses. Criminal activity. Criminal activity <laughs> is the only reason why you can release me. Because, I mean, that's why, hey, that's why NBA contracts are guaranteed. Because these guys tear out their ACL in their second year and they still want to make another 150 mil. Right? Exactly. Like, it's that's why these things are in place. And uh, just because you're a publicly traded company doesn't mean uh, that you are exempt from these rules. <laughs> That's the way she goes, though, when you hire independent contractors. <laughs> That's just the way it goes, I guess. Well, let's get into the podcast, shall we? Uh, because it wasn't all just about releases. There were some good things that happened this week. Of course, we are making our way downtown to SummerSlam in a few weeks, uh, as well as All Out and Rampage and all these sorts of things. But um, let's kick off our show the only way we know how, which is with by crowning a brand new Tweety League champion. It's the Tweet of the Week. It's the Tweet of the Week. This is one of the more prestigious championships in uh, all of shoot wrestling. And it's going to a man, you know, sometimes on a, on a week like this where uh, many names were released. Uh, and this was just after the Bray Wyatt release. You know, uh, the Twitter world kind of turns solemn a little bit. Nobody wants to talk about it. 
nobody wants to have that much fun. But good thing that uh, just we, uh, two days ago, I believe, it was uh, the birthday of um, a professional actor Chris Hemsworth. Uh, Chris Hemsworth also shares a birthday with um, the man who he will be portraying in a future biopic, uh, the Hollywood Hulk Hogan himself. Ah, Hulk. is that a thing? That's a real thing, the biopic? The biopic is a real thing, and they do share a birthday, which is odd. Uh, just, you know, uh, what are the odds? Um, <laughs> and uh, so, of course, you know, the wrestling world is going to outpour uh, their happy birthdays to um, to Hulk to the Hulkster, or I feel like any wrestling person over the age of like forty five would. Yeah, <laughs> I don't foresee any young people or minorities reaching out to uh, <laughs> reaching out to Hulk Hogan. Um, but one of the, except for Jackson Riker, except for me, yeah, except for Jackson Riker, and that's not the happy birthday you want. <laughs> uh, he yeah. did get a happy birthday out of all of the Hulk Hogan happy birthday responses. None stood out other than this week's Twitter League champion, the Iron Sheik, <laughs> who's just good. You know, he's he's the he's the new Randy Orton. If you need something to happen on Twitter, check out <laughs> the Iron Sheik, uh, where he reached out to Hulk Hogan and says, "Happy ha- happy birthday, Hulk Hogan, you dumb son of a bitch." <laughs> yeah. Um what is that? His second title now? Third. Third? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So he's he is uh he's tied with both Sami Zayn and Ricochet for uh for th- you know, three Wow. Uh three titles. Still not quite at Randy Orton's eight, but hey. Getting there. Not everyone. Getting there. Not everyone can do it. No. Hey, good for you though, Shiki. Congratulations to the Iron Sheik and uh, to the whole Twitter world out there. Well, let's get into the show. <laughs> then, shall we? The releases are behind us. Uh, it's no longer Hulk Hogan's birthday, so let's get into the real nitty-gritty because we have SummerSlam coming up. So let's get into the blue brand as we build our way there. Uh, we've got some SmackDown Live. Okay, folks, it's Friday night. It's time for SmackDown Live. It uh, used to be on Tuesday, but then... Uh, I think it was on Friday before, though. No, no, wait. We used to film it on a Thursday and then release it. It's just SmackDown Live. SmackDown Live from Tampa, Florida. Which, did you? I only recently learned that the city is not called Tampa Bay. It's just called Tampa, and the Tampa Bay is never has never have huh. been a city. Huh. That's fun. It's, yeah. I did. I also. <laughs> I also fun. did not know that. Uh, so it's we're like. Uh, yeah, Tampa Bay is just like a little region of, it's literally a bay. Yeah. A body of water that connects a couple different cities, I guess. Like I want, Then I wonder how the bay got thrown in there and kept so much. Because like, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Tampa yeah. Bay Buccaneers, it's not the Tampa I think it's just, Lightning. I guess it's more inclusive. It's, it's like the Golden State Warriors or something. Maybe it also <laughs> sounds better, better, like maybe a two-syllable name for sports teams, like Tampa Lightning Tampa Bay Lightning. I don't know. Maybe that uh, pr- yeah. provides a little word break. But this isn't a podcast where we talk about city names over the course of time. No, this is a podcast where we talk about professional wrestling. And a week after stunning our uh, SmackDown Women's Champion Bianca Belair with a sneak attack that left her tapping out to close the show, Shasta Banks kicks off uh, this week's episode of SmackDown, accusing the EST of NXT of... You know, leeching off her success. You know, you couldn't have headlined WrestleMania without me. You wouldn't have won that ESPY award without me. 
uh, SB, which is a tier uh, slightly below a shooty. Of course, Bianca Blair interrupts in there somewhere, uh, telling Sasha Banks, like, I can main event any show, this, that, the other, uh, because they want a rematch for SummerSlam. Yeah, my favorite line was Bianca's like, what you gonna do, take another four months off? The crowd went, ooh. Ooh. Everyone loves it good. (laughs) So, yeah, you know, they draw back and forth, and Bianca's like, you want this title? It's on. Uh, but then Zelina Vega comes out. She just starts insulting everyone and calls Sasha a ratchet little vulture. Ratchet? Yeah, I haven't heard Sasha called ratchet since the NXT days. <laughs> but uh, that was fun. Uh, anyways, Vega wants to fight Bel Air, and Bel Air says, Okay, I'll see Sasha at SummerSlam, but Vega, I'll see you tonight. So that's going to happen later. Against Zelina Vega, looking for her big uh, uh, return. Still looking for win. that win. Still looking for that win. <laughs> Uh, Dominic Mysterio takes on Jey Uso. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think they do announce that they're going to fight the rematch for the tag titles at SummerSlam, so let's just keep fighting each other until then anyways. I guess that's their plan, but whatever. Uh, Uso gets the win. Uso gets the win, but there does (laughs) seem to be some kind of, uh, um, Dominic's getting mad at Ray type thing. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like that's the turn that's going to happen. Uh, that was was Ray like over coaching him in this match or something? Yeah, it was that. It was that kind of thing. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, you know, we're still very months and months and months away, but Dominic versus Ray at WrestleMania could kind of be that that you know father putting a son over type of moment that uh, we don't get in professional wrestling. A father son. Yeah, uh, kind of very rivalry. Uh, very, we get brothers. Yeah. Real brothers and fake brothers. <laughs> uh, I mean, Vince has fought Shane, though. Yeah, okay, fun. okay, okay. <laughs> but, you know, this, but, uh, this would be hands and feet different from that. Oh, yeah, much <laughs> much different. Uh, but, I mean, in the meantime, they're going to take another crack at those tag titles. So, I think yeah. we all know what we're going to get. Yeah, at least... A, a, dist- a distraction win by the Usos? <laughs> is that is that what you're thinking? Another hold your feet on the ropes kind of thing. Oh, I love those. Uh, Apollo Cruz takes on King Nakamura in a championship contenders match. So uh, yeah, it was okay. Nakamura's he's in control, goes for the pin when Commander Aziz just yanks him to the floor, causes the DQ. Uh, but that does give Nakamura the win, technically, so he's getting a title shot. And Boogs plays him off to the back. Boogs! Boogs! Richard Boogs. <laughs> Richard Boogs. <laughs> uh, Pat McAfee is turning into the best part of this whole intercontinental title match scene. Uh, just because he is excited when Rick Boogs comes out. You know, it's it's sort of this thing where I'm relying on Pat McAfee to provide the energy for this whole IC stuff. I mean, you know, we put the, uh, after Big E won that money in the bank, he was, you know, subsequently removed from that thing. And now it feels a little flat. Yeah, Apollo is really, I mean, he started off pretty good with this kind of rebuilded character, but now he's really just stagnating and 
Well, and now and, and now similar to that U- United States Championship on the other brand, both of these mid-card titles have just been held since Mania and that's about it. Yeah, nothing nothing memorable has happened. Yeah, what at is all it since. about the post-Mania title run that you have to have it for like 6 months? <laughs> Nobody wins a title at Mania and loses it a month later. Even if it's in a hard-fought match, you know, even if a, everything kind of goes according to plan, it's almost like they build to Mania and then they get to take six months in the back seat. Unless you're Zack Ryder. Unless you're Zack Ryder, who loses the next day. But, uh, no, it's definitely definitely a bit of a wasteland in the mid-card yeah. scene right now. Both sides, yeah, both sides of the, uh, of the card also. Uh, we go backstage where Paul Heyman is interviewed. Talking about Roman Reigns having to face John Cena at SummerSlam. But then the camera turns a bit and we see Big E just standing there giggling. He's got his money in the bank briefcase. He's making silly faces. But he's letting Paul Heyman know, hey, your boy better watch out. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, I don't think he'll be cashing in at SummerSlam. Probably not SummerSlam. But has he, uh, we haven't really been teasing Big E over on Raw, so it really does seem like Big E is coming for Roman. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like he might be one of the few where he wants, like, if this goes all the way to WrestleMania season, he might just say, hey, I'm cashing in at WrestleMania. Let him know ahead of time. I know. Don't give me the ahead of time cash in. (laughs) I'm just saying, I'm not, I'm not. But he might. I don't know. Big E, he hasn't even really teased it. Hopefully, you know how some guys, they fake cash in like 10 times and you're like ah when was last time uh we had a baby face money in the bank winner i mean i guess if you count braun as a baby face which i don't really i think our last what we had or i guess otis but then that kind of fell by the wayside and then brock and i guess the last time like a big eater a baby face like won and cashed in and got the title I don't know. It's been a while. Like a true, yeah, a true baby face. You know what I'm thinking. You know what I'm thinking of the type. Big smile on his face. Big dumbass. Doesn't have any help from the back. You know the type of person I'm talking about. Yeah. No, I mean, Big E, we certainly haven't seen it in a while, so it could be exciting. But I feel like, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tamina has taken on Tegan Knox, who has gained her first name back. They were calling her Tegan. And Shotzi Blackheart also. Don't know if you noticed that. They called her Blackheart. I didn't. Notice I that heard the words Blackheart. Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the match itself pretty short. Tamina's in control. She's got Tegan up for a Samoan drop when Shotzi fires a missile from her tank, just narrowly missing Tamina. But it fucks her up, allows Knox to roll her up, get the three count. But uh, you know that was fair. The missile didn't hit her, so the ref didn't DQ. So everything was clean. Uh, <laughs> if it but, hit her though, uh, DQ. Uh, of course, you know, so Tegan Knox winning uh, makes them, this is book, this is wrestling logic, they are the de facto challenges, uh, or challengers for these championships. I still, I brought it up last week, and I can't stop thinking about it, that if somebody's hurt, crown an interim champion, and then have them battle it out at the end, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get, I don't get that specific thing, and I've just been thinking about it a lot lately, after Brock Lesnar kind of shed down those words of wisdom in an interview. Yeah, I'm not uh, 
not sure how long Natty's going to be out. If she's going to be gone for like another two months, then yeah, I don't want to drag this out and just have Tamina carry both belts, it seems. And I think the, the what, what ended up being the culmination match was a little bit disappointing, I think, but they did it with that cruiserweight championship. They had yeah, that Jordan, I mean, they, they gave it to Santos, and then eventually Jordan Devlin came over and challenged, and they kind of unified the two versions, uh, which yeah. happens in UFC, it happens in boxing, like that's, that's how fights and work. I think, didn't, the, didn't they do something similar with Sami Zayn, where he was, after COVID, oh yeah, and he came back, and they, he's like, I'm still the IC champ, and they hung two belts or something. Yeah, it was a little bit of like, uh, and I think- It wasn't quite the same. It, was, it, it wasn't quite the same, but yeah, it was him and Jeff Hardy. Mm-hmm. And uh, they both had that same. Well, they. Well, I guess they kind of both had it, but Sami Zayn just kept saying like, "Yeah, I didn't lose it. I didn't lose it. I didn't lose it. I didn't lose yeah. it." And then guess what? You get to have a match. Yeah, anything like that would be better than just waiting for Natalia to come back. So, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Unless it's just like a sprained ankle, and she's back in two weeks. Who knows? Especially when we see two people, you know, Tegan Knox and Shotzi Blackheart called up, and we're like, "Fantastic! Let's get them in the in the in the in the cycle, right? Let's, let's get shit happening. You know, let's throw them into the rotation, and then uh, it's kind of hampered. It just sucks." Yeah. But then Edge comes out to a big pop, and just cuts a scathing promo on Seth Rollins and. Seth appears on the screen to respond. This week he's got a nice pink butterfly suit. Haven't seen that one from. I don't even know if I've seen him repeat a suit yet, which is crazy. Where are these guys getting all their suits? <laughs> yeah, Don Cherry and him. Must yeah, have yeah, it. he's he, he's just taken from Don Cherry's uh, wardrobe. You know, maybe when he was yeah. a younger, fitter man. <laughs> uh, but anyways, eventually Edge formally challenges Rollins for SummerSlam, and Seth comes out and he accepts. Which is great. Yeah, this was a great promo. Yeah, um, that'll be a good kind of middle of the show match. Get the crowd. Yeah, crowd I mean, well, I mean yeah, you know, we're ta- we've are we been talking about Cena. We've been talking about Goldberg and uh, Edge Rollins. Seems to be the only match on the card right now that I can think of without anything but pride at stake. Uh, and when pride is at stake, um, you know, oftentimes performers put on a hell of a show. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure Seth, you know, this might be his only opportunity to ever wrestle Edge. So, yeah, I'm sure he'll be looking to have a good match. Amen. And vice versa. Uh, then tag team action here. Street Profits, who we haven't really seen much of, taking on the Dirty Dogs. And just, uh, yeah, you know, solid tag team match. They go back and forth. Ford hits his beautiful from the heavens frog splash. Gets the win. The Dirty Dogs. Great to see, great to see uh, Bobby Roode back. Yeah, I mean they're hanging around. They're uh, they're in, they're they're a name that could be appearing on these releasing things. You never know. Dolph Dolph Ziggler, I think he's a lifer. I hope so. I do not. I, mean, I, I just that. I can't see it. I just can't see it. Yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I no, neither would I. <laughs> Oh, well, uh, let's go to this match we promised you earlier. Bianca Belair taking on Zelina Vega in another one of those championship contender matches. Um, yeah, Vega, one of the shortest on the roster. So Belair, we already know Belair's got the strength, but she's got the size as well. But Vega's feisty. She, uh, I don't know. One, I was kind of distracted during this match because there was this argument going on in the crowd between this big fat guy and the usher kept asking him to sit down. Oh, really? I didn't notice that. <laughs> and he was just arguing with the whole time. <laughs> I did not notice that, no. Yeah. 
Anyways, Bianca's in control. She lifts Vega up when Sasha Banks comes out, causing the distraction. Uh, but, yeah. Anyways, Vega hangs in there for a while. Eventually, Bianca hits her with the KOD, gets the win. Gets the big win. Poor Zelina. Zelina Vega still looking for that, uh, you know, that, that, that big first win? Yeah, I mean they're letting her get some moves in and stuff, but just, uh, yeah. And now we're, but now we're just getting the big rematch, right? We're just getting the the Sasha Bianca Belair because remember, folks, about three years ago they said that rematches are not promised, but they just chances are they will happen anyways. Um, yeah, I mean there was a a four month gap there, so it's there was a gap, but then Sasha yeah. comes back and immediately is like, okay, my title. Uh, <laughs> so you know, no rematches aren't guaranteed. It's called but... the Conor McGregor effect. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. You come back, you do yeah. one fight, and then you're like, I'm the best. And then... I haven't won in three years. You're like, hey, main event. Know. I'm the main event. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But th- this will not be the main event of SummerSlam. No, no, I doubt it. No, unless John Cena, Roman Reigns, uh, Edge all get arrested the next couple days, and Gold <laughs> and Goldberg, <laughs> and Goldberg. <laughs> unless Goldberg dies. <laughs> uh, okay, let's go to this main event though, because we got Finn Balor taking on Baron Corbin. Once again, just looking sloppy as ever. Doesn't even get entrance music anymore. Uh, but yeah. Uh, he apologizes to Finn Balor for ruining that contract signing, and Balor just says, I don't accept, beats him up. Uh, and yeah, pretty much just a squash match. Balor beats the shit out of him, hits the coup de grace, gets the win. But then he grabs the mic and cuts a promo, says, Roman, I want you, I want the Universal title. If I have to go through John Cena, I'll do it. So Roman Reigns comes out and uh, just tells him, shut the fuck up, keep my name out of your mouth, and then tosses the mic aggressively. Right at his chest. Which, that pointy uh, plastic piece, that could hurt. Bunk. Uh, anyways, he goes to leave. Finn Balor drop kicks him from behind to the floor. Uh, Reigns turns around, but then Finn gets jumped by the Usos, and they all beat him down. Uh, but then, yeah, what? Finn fights back, or Reigns gets in the ring, hits him with the guillotine, puts him to sleep. So at the end, the Chief stands tall. But Finn Balor still got to look pretty good here in the main event. Yeah, yeah, uh, it was. Yeah, it was a weird. It was a weird main event because you know, yeah, like I said, a squash match over Corbin, and then just for kind of Roman Reigns to come out uh, eventually to close the show. Uh, but with John Cena already on the SummerSlam roster. Is this kind of like a swerve to make it a triple threat? I don't think it needs to be a triple threat, whatever that match ends up being. Yeah, I don't think it will be. Uh, maybe Finn faces Roman on SmackDown and Roman just like injures him. I don't know. Hmm. Maybe not even for the title. They just have a grudge match. Just but, a I mean, match, uh, yeah. I like the fact that Finn Balor is getting to kind of float around in this main event scene a little bit here. Yeah. But, uh Yeah. At this point, he's not on SummerSlam, and if it's not going to be with these two, I don't know who they're going to shoehorn in. Well, especially... I hope it's not Corbin. Nope. <laughs> not Corbin. Well, and I had already booked a way that The Fiend would have come back to fuck up Finn, and then Finn would have demoned himself <laughs> on the two-year anniversary of The Fiend's coming back, you know, onto his first match against non-demon Finn. Like, it was booked. I think that match was fucking booked. Uh, yeah, you had it all written. I had it written down, ready to go. I had written out the promos, the scripts. <laughs> uh, 
but that was not the case. Nope. We'll never know now. Well, then uh, let's get into it. That was, yeah, that was all of SmackDown. Sometimes weird to end uh, on a bit of a low of a match. But, uh, yeah, we're getting towards SummerSlam. So, you know, things always kind of take a bit of a slowdown as we make our way to the uh, the summer of shows. The shows of summers. Yeah, whatever you want to call it. Let's get uh, let's move across the brands then, shall we? Because every Friday is followed by Saturday, which is followed by Sunday, which will always be followed by Monday. And there's only one thing that happens on Monday. And no, it's not football. And no, it's not back to work. And no, it's not uh, the Monday, the case of the Mondays. It's just Monday. <laughs> you don't have a case of the Mondays. It's just Monday Night Raw. Let's get raw. Let's get raw. You have a case of the Monday Night Raws. Uh, which could be worse. Which could be which could be far far worse. Uh, we actually open up. Uh, this this week's episode of Monday Night Raw, um, in a bit of a surprise fashion, a surprise. I ask you, why, why a surprise? Because for the first time since May twenty first of two thousand and one, a a a a member of a brand is is has been seen on another brand. Huh? That's right. Of all people, Baron Corbin. Appears backstage uh, in an interview, says that Jinder Mahal offered him money to face Drew McIntyre. Because why we need Baron Corbin in this uh, f- in this kind of like little feud, I do not know. Uh, however, Mr. Corbin, this is your third uh, um, uh, f- uh, edition of the Brand to Brand Invitational. Only two more. He's burning through He's them. He's burning through these things. Now, of course, his first two, he was under the moniker of King Corbin. Uh, but same guy, so I'm counting it. Baron Corbin, uh, you only have two left of these branch brand invitationals. <laughs> I wonder where the legality is on those name changes, though. I wonder if if they fight it, if he can make it. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, he's here. He's going to be fighting Drew in a little bit. But before all that, another surprise, because... Just like that, Randy Orton comes out. He's back. Uh, same with his facial hair, his little mustache, little. Uh, it's it's back. He's back. It's been about seven weeks or so. Crowd's hyped to see him. They're chanting for Randy. Uh, but before he can get on the mic, Matt Riddle comes out, and he's just like, "Randy, I missed you, bro. Where'd you go?" But anyways, it doesn't matter. He says, "You're back. We can be RK bro once again." But. Orton just tells him, what the hell makes you think I'd want a team with you again? Uh, he's like, you know, listen, kid, we had a few matches. We made a couple shirts. We got a nice buzz on social media. Some drug references. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he just says, you know, I've been watching from home. You've been doing fine on your own. But Riddle just says, or, yeah, Riddle is all sad. He's like, you don't want to be a team with me anymore? The crowd chants RK bro, but then AJ and Omos come out to interrupt. They insult Randy and Orton. AJ challenges Randy to a match later, and Riddle tries to RKO Omos, but he just blocks it, hits him with a massive choke slam. Massive choke slam. Only had to use one hand. Yeah. Don't you have to use two? <laughs> 
Uh, but then we do go to that Drew Drew McIntyre taking on Baron Corbin match using that brand to brand invitational provision. Uh, his provision, but yeah. yeah, a bit of a waste um, because I mean the match wasn't really anything special. Drew just beats the shit out of him, and Corbin's begging him to stop. So Drew gets on the microphone mid match, calls him pathetic, but he feels bad for him. So. How much money do you need to get by for a few days? You know, get a shower, get some food. And uh, Corbin says, $100,000. Uh, Must be some real so some just, real nice food. Yeah, I don't know where you're going. But and then Drew's just like, yeah, how about 300000 And then he holds his fingers up and counts down. Three, two, one. Hits the Claymore. Gets the win. Uh, then afterwards, Jinder and co. try to come out and attack Drew. But he pulls out his sword and holds them back. I think he called it Angela. He cut this weird promo beforehand about his mom and how the doctor said she should have aborted him. And oh, it got yeah. pretty crazy. It was biz- it was weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We He's d- like, they told her to abort. And she's like, I would rather die than kill my baby. <laughs> Something got pretty wild. It was bizarre. I cut over that a bit. But at the end of the day, he calls his sort Angela in honor of his mom who didn't abort him. Thanks, mom. Uh, yeah, the Corbin thing's still going for now. Uh, I, it's hard to tell uh, if, if WWE wants us to feel sorry for Baron Corbin, especially when he asks for a hundred grand just to get by. If it was like, yeah. I need a hundred dollars and I'll be able to clean my clothes and eat some food. That's like, yeah, yeah that is sympathetic. But a hundred thousand dollars, I mean, that's what? That's a down an payment on a new home. That's uh, how The majority many... of your viewers will never make that much money in a year. Exactly. The <laughs> Honestly, the majority of people in the room are like, fuck that guy. Gets a yeah. hundred grand. Um, yeah. yeah, but at least at least it wasn't <laughs> Drew taking on Veer and Shanky. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that. But, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, there really was no reason to have Baron Corbin on Monday Night Raw. No. But, oh, well, we go backstage where Riddle is talking to Randy. He's like, come on, man, just let me be at ringside for your match later, bro. And then Randy gives him the old, don't call me bro. Even though he's still wearing the sweater. He's still wearing the RK bro sweater. And he's wearing, and it's a cool design, too. It's like, it's like a, it's like a t-shirt sweater. That's, it's like yeah. a t-shirt hoodie. I'm sure, maybe the, maybe the sleeves unzip and you can go right to the sleeveless hoodie. <laughs> I hope so. It's such a small, like those pants that, uh, you know, zip off from the knee down. Yeah. It's like those, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but with your, that's not a bad idea. Well, uh, then we get the big anticipated rematch. Jeff Hardy taking on Karrion Cross here. Uh, they just go back and forth. Cross hits a bunch of doomsday Saito suplexes and applies the cross jacket, forcing Hardy to tap out. So he got his win back. Got his win. God damn it. Karrion Cross, what you doing, bud? What's he doing even? Yeah, it's like two different people, the main roster cross and the NXT cross. But, oh well, still no sign of Scarlet. Yeah, still no sign of Scarlet. Uh, just, yeah, he's, it's, it's odd to have somebody booked so differently in the other, like, in it, it's like the same company, but you're booked so, so differently. And there's this incredibly small chunk of people that you and I are in, Mike, where we are aware of both. 
Mm-hmm. We are aware of NXT cross and then main roster cross and asking ourselves like, yeah, where is Scarlet? You know, where is, uh, you know, I, I understand the lip singing thing wouldn't work, but like we can work around that. Uh, it's just bizarre, right? It would be like Kenny Omega dominating AEW and then he does a match in Impact where he jobs out to someone. And you're like, what? No, you're strong. Yeah. You're not weak. He gets, <laughs> yeah, he loses to Moose. Yeah, he loses. Yeah, if he would have lost one of those matches, right? Or the one against Rich <laughs> yeah, Swan like, or what something. The fuck? It's like, what the hell? You're supposed to be the most dominant person that's ever done it. <clears throat> uh, and with TakeOver 36 coming soon, uh, you know, it sort of seems like the cards are almost there. Maybe they're saving Scarlet for some kind of reason. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think like you speculated before about him going on a losing streak and Scarlet being the savior, but who knows? Who knows? Yeah, not not I. Not I. Well, then we get Alexa Bliss taking on Dewdrop. And right off the bat, we get the We Want Wyatt chance. Um, and Bliss, she's got Lily sitting in her corner this time. She's like our manager. She's sitting right on top of the top rope there. But, uh, you know, besides that, I actually like the, the wrestling itself I liked. You know, Bliss and Dewdrop working pretty well together. Uh, Dewdrop doesn't have to carry Eva, so, you know, Bliss doing her thing, Dewdrop's in control, but then in the middle of it all, she looks over at Lily in the corner, and we cut angles to this, well, yeah, just this very bad doll, where she winks, and this freaks out Dewdrop, allowing Bliss to roll her up for the three count. So, I thought that the live crowds would mean they'd stop this Lily silliness, but no, they're still going with it. The doll winked. <laughs> yeah. And it was like that a cheesy, was like, the, 3D way. That was the payoff. WWE actually showed up a close-up of a doll just so it could add a digital wink <laughs> in post. This is a thing that happened in a WWE match. What yeah. the... I, I'm done, man. I'm done. I have... This whole time, I've been giving the utmost credit to Alexa Bliss, who is putting everything she has into a gimmick that makes no sense with segments that... Oh, she's she's just... Oh, she's holding on to a little piece of string right now to make this... To keep this all together. You know, like Tobey Maguire when he's at uh, on the on the, on the the train? You know, he's got the, the, the webs off both sides. <laughs> yeah. And he's just like... Ah! He's holding it together like Tobey Maguire. Uh, this is uh, this is something. This is something. And we want Wyatt Chance are not going to stop, especially in this gimmick, which was directly ripped off from his idea. So good on the good on the crowd. If the Snyder Cut sh- uh, taught us anything, is that the fans always win. Well, unfortunately, uh, they released some Lily doll replicas on WWE shop which immediately sold out went on to back order so fuck I think we this this I don't know there's a there's an audience out there that likes these Lily dolls so I don't know but who so I guess <laughs> it's little girls and boys who are old enough to not be scared but not so old that they think that they don't want to buy a doll Right? It's that specific, uh, very, very specific age where you're not scared about all the creepiness. Like, The Fiend, uh, with the mask and the presentation, I can understand how a kid would think that is a scary person. I think there's going to be a lot of grown men buying this doll as well. Why? 
I mean, Alexa Bliss has a very deep, deep-rooted, passionate fan base that will follow her to the ends of the earth. And uh, some in an obsessive, creepy way where she's like, I don't want to talk to you on social media. But, you know, they're her fans and they'll buy a Lily doll. Okay. Yeah, I guess if you said it, yeah. I mean, it's hey. It's not for me. I, I, of course not. <laughs> if you showed up with this thing, I would be concerned. But yeah, Mike, like you said, if they sold out, then they fucking sold out. You know, you can't, uh, you can't fake that. But if I did bring a Lily doll to your house and it did wink at you, you would be freaked out. Uh, no, I think I've seen Chucky a few too many times, uh, you know, to be... Well, you wouldn't be scared if a doll just did something it shouldn't be? No, I think Ch- Chucky, as a horror movie specifically, has, uh, has made me figure out, like, you need to just jump to action. Because that's the problem with a lot of these horror movies. They wait too long before running or before grabbing the <laughs> knife or before doing something. If I saw a doll wink at me, the very first thing I would do would be grab all the hammers and knives that you can to defend yourself or just flat out run away. You know, it's, well, it's just a friendly wink. Oh, don't care. It's do not care. Do not care. Even this, if, this miracle of a doll, you could make millions off of it. Yeah, even if this was a it. even if this was a Toy Story situation and they were like nice, you know, it was like a little Woody <laughs> doll who's like a good guy. Hey, buddy, I would still rip his head off in a second. Yeah, too bad. I know it is too bad, but uh, you know, I am. We are man, not men. I mean, man. We are the human race, and uh, we're on t- and we're on top. Mc- we're not mankind. Uh, we're just a couple of McFoley's, and we're out here, uh, the pr- the premier uh, species. Well, that is why when I see a spider, I kill it. I don't think twice. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a good idea because you never know when one of them is gonna bite a, li- a bite, you know, a teenager on on the finger, and then it's gonna. Not inf- even that. Oh. It's about establishing boundaries. <laughs> it's about establishing dominance. <laughs> if I see you outside, I'll leave you alone. But once you come inside, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, you could lay babies and all of a sudden I got a thousand spider eggs in my house. No thanks. Hey, oh, I, I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Seamus takes on Ricochet here. And uh, Ricochet, you're always going to, you're usually going to get a fun match with Ricochet when you let him do his thing. And, um, one of the big spots when he, he jumps to the top rope and just springboards, he just balances, springboards gracefully off to the floor, knocking Seamus onto the announce table. And, uh, yeah, he was just flying all over the place. Crowd was going wild, but Seamus stops the momentum with a big brogue kick, gets the win. And then afterwards, Damian Priest comes out, gets in his face. So, uh, I think they announced that they're going to fight for the U.S. title at SummerSlam. Yeah, and if they didn't, that's what feels like it's most likely. Uh, Ricochet, yeah, like you said, continues to be one of the smoothest guys out there. And although not, he won't earn a title shot anytime soon, uh, it's nice to see that he's still over. Yeah, I mean, just let him do his thing and the crowd's going to have fun. Uh, oh, yeah, Priest, that's why he came out because he's... Damian Priest is taking on John Morrison, uh, which, I mean, it was fun, but uh, we've seen it a lot. Uh, Priest ends up hitting the Reckoning to get the win, and then he gets in Miz's face, and Miz stands up for the first time in months. And not only that, he then sprints up the ramp, so his leg looks to be pretty pretty well healed. Uh, so kind of sooner than expected, based on the dirt sheets prognosis. <laughs> 
Yeah, we could get some kind of blow-off match, you know, with the Miz healthy. I'm sure he was, you know, I'm sure he was hurt, and then he kind of played it off for a little bit, just like MVP did, uh, you know, to make for that yeah. moment where he takes that spear. You're like, whoo. <laughs> uh, John Morrison continues to be one of these unsung heroes of Monday Night Raw uh, lately. Ever since he had that, uh, there was that kind of series of matches he had there with Ricochet back in June, and even prior to that with with, with Damian Priest, and then at Mania, he's had a really solid kind of past few months, which is, uh, you know, it's kind of been surprising. Yeah, no, he's been doing really well. The crowd's loving him. They're cheering for him. He's He's got his new merch. Uh, yeah, they're all in on this dripstick thing, so who knows? Yeah, so where, yeah, whatever's uh, been happening, it's good. Yeah, I think after this, this is when we get a quick Priest cut a promo on Sheamus, and Sheamus is like, all right, I'll give you a title shot. So there you go. Okay, there we go. Yeah, SummerSlam. It's on the card. Uh, let's go for it. Damian Priest, 39. Who do we think's older, Damian Priest or uh, <laughs> or uh, Sheamus? Because I, th- I think they're both kind of older guys, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel like they're right around the same age. Okay, yeah, Sheamus. Sheamus got a few years. Sheamus is 43. Damian Priest is 38. So yeah, a few okay. years on him, but still, you know, guys on the other opposite side of that uh, that spectrum that Vince McMahon wants these days. <laughs> uh, well, we then go to Mustafa Ali taking on T-Bar, former Retribution members here. But uh, I mean, the feud really has nothing, no meaning, other than seeing some underutilized wrestlers. But yeah, I mean, the match was fine. T-Bar hits his cool. Burning hammer GTS type finishing move to get the win. Yeah, it was a weird one. Uh, out of out of this whole thing, Mansoor feels like the only clear babyface. And uh, God, I don't even know. Maybe commentary brought up T Bar and Mustafa Ali, former kind of involvement with each <laughs> other. Maybe they brought it up. But still, kind of feels yeah. yeah Mansoor and Ali still kind of feel like an odd couple pairing. Although it could be something in the future. Yeah, it could be, but uh Yeah, who knows? I don't know. Never trust anything with these with this show. Nope. Never. <laughs> uh we go backstage where Reggie is ambushed by R Truth and Tazawa, dressed up in disguises. So he kinda just bounces around, flips off the set, like the mask putting on his thing for the first time, and he escapes out the window or out the door. The gaggle. Gaggle's got a gaggle. Yeah. I mean, this pretty much is the gaggle now. This is all that's left. <laughs> yeah, there is nobody. Everyone's been cut. Gulak's gone. No Way Jose's gone. Yeah. Lince Dorado is gone. Uh, I think he's still here. I think oh, Sinkara. Okay, my mistake. Yeah. My mistake. Oh, well. Uh, Bobby Lashley, MPP come out. And uh, MVP just cuts a big, long promo on Goldberg and the SummerSlam match. And Bobby takes the mic at the end, says, you're not next, you're done. And Goldberg, we have not seen in weeks. Which I'm fine with. No, we saw him last week. Oh, yeah, we did. He came out last week to go like, this is my son. Oh, yeah, last week was his son. (laughs) Uh, Well, okay. Yeah, we don't need to see him every week. Yeah, I don't give a shit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Nikki Ash. Full name, almost a superhero, Nikki A.S.H., taking on Rhea Ripley. Uh, but Nikki going in with a bit of a disadvantage here. Got her ribs all taped up. She's fighting injured. 
but she's still putting up a pretty good fight here until Charlotte shows up out of nowhere and just shoves her off the top rope, causes the disqualification. And then she beats up both women after for good measure. Uh, your queen stands tall. As she usually does. Uh, it feels really weird throwing um, Rhea Ripley right back into things. Especially you and I hypothesized that they would take a little bit of a break to establish her as our true babyface. Or, uh, you know, like uh, within the brand. But then have her come back and then be involved here with Charlotte, clear heel, and Nikki Ash, super clear babyface. It feels weird to have. You know what I'm saying? Is that is, is what I'm saying making sense? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, like at some point in that triple threat match, if it if it comes down to Nikki and Rhea swinging at each other, like who does the crowd supposed to cheer for? I feel like we're supposed to want to cheer for Nikki because she's the champion still, and Rhea yeah. Ripley hasn't really done much in my mind to like get our attention. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. No. I mean the the finish, the booking of this SummerSlam match is really gonna be interesting because yeah could go all three ways at this point yeah we will see all three Uh, of them end up pinning each other somehow so it ends up in a no contest (laughs) we then get a little video of elias uh he's outside by this big large fire pit he takes off his guitar and just tosses it into the fire saying elias is dead so uh looks like we're getting a rebranding that sucks maybe you're Maybe Rick Boogs came and stole his thunder. I think like, he well. must have. You know, I mean, there, you, you, you can't have two guys play guitar and sing on the same show. That's too much, right? Yeah. But it was a different thing they both did. Rick Boogs is electric guitar, pump up the crowd. Elias is sit in the middle and, uh, and you know, shit on the crowd. Uh, it, yeah. It's a bummer that he didn't get the chance to do it again after we started returning, after, since returning to fans. He never had, in the past month or whatever it is, he never had a moment of WWE stands for fuck with Elias, which was insanely over. Yeah. Um, well, at the very least, we haven't seen Jackson Riker in weeks. Amen. And if nothing else, <laughs> uh, you know, if this is the if it is the end of Elias's character as we know it, we will always have that moment of him and Kevin Owens uh, in Seattle oh, yeah. talking shit about the Seattle SuperSonics, and then the the moment where and you've sat on a you've sat on a stool with a guitar before. The moment where you kind <laughs> of have to like you lean the guitar. You're kind of leaning on the guitar. Because there's nothing to do, and you don't really want to sit up straight. And then uh, Kevin Owens having to give the, uh, the the one second finger to Elias. Just like, one second. Let him boo. Uh, <laughs> we will always have that moment. Yeah, that was an all-timer. Amen. Uh, the main event, though, Randy Orton takes on AJ Styles. Uh, Randy looking good, showing no signs of ring rust there. And Yeah, you know, it's good. Just an evenly fought match. Uh Orton's in control when Omos just starts talking trash to him on the outside. So Orton's arguing with him. This allows Styles to take advantage off the distraction. But then Riddle comes flying in out of nowhere. Jumps onto Omos's back. Uh, big sleeper hold. So Omos, you know, struggling. Slams him into the ring post. Back in the ring, AJ goes for the phenomenal forearm. But then Orton catches him midair with the RKO to get the win. Uh, but then right after Riddle gets in the ring, Orton's pissed off, says, you know, I told you to stay in the back, but 
Riddle pleads with him. Just says, come on, bro. Give me a hug. The crowd's chanting. They want it. They're chanting for RK, bro. Orton wants nothing to do with it. Uh, but Riddle just pumps up the crowd more. This convinces him. So Randy finally indulges. Gives him a hug. Uh, but then right after, he hits him with an RKO. But they seem to imply that he was just doing that out of friendship. Just like, oh, he's just being Randy. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder. It's like, that's not, you know, that's the, one of the most devastating moves in the arsenal, right? It's not quite a punt, <laughs> but it's uh, it's a big, big deal. So uh, who knows? Who knows? It would have been great to see Matt Riddle and Randy Orton together. But if that was the end, then so be it. Yeah, either way, I think this will be the last, the last match added to the SummerSlam card. Either Orton versus Riddle or Orton and Riddle versus AJ's handle. Yeah, that'd be fun. That would be fun, Just having them work in some kind of way. Uh, I think, or we, we, we've gotten the impression Randy is a very expressive person. It, do, it does feel like he's enjoying this Matt Riddle stuff. Uh, yeah. And we can usually tell if Randy doesn't like what's going on. Because he's because he'll yell stupid at you when you're on live television, uh, and yeah, this could yeah. So excited to see where this goes if it's on SummerSlam or if not. Yeah, we'll keep our tab. But I mean, they've already made all the merch, so why not keep? Why it not keep it right? <laughs> and uh, that's the first half of the show, Mike. Should we take a break? Yeah, let's take a little break. Uh, I might be an extra like two minutes. Got to feed Cody lunch. Got to feed the puppers. We're going to come back. We have the uh, the brand new NXT along with some AEW action. Uh, so you're going to want to stick around. Don't miss it. Let's shoot. Yeah, let's shoot. Yeah, let's shoot. Brother, brother. Yeah, let's shoot. Yeah, let's shoot. Yeah, let's shoot. Brother, brother. Back here with part two of the Shoot Brothers Wrestling Podcast here. Folks, thank you for sticking out through the break. You know what? It's uh, as we make our way through the summer, we have these three uh, pay-per-views to look forward to. You know, I mean, of course, we just kind of dealt with all of our SummerSlam build. All Elite Wrestling's got their whole thing going on with All Out coming up at the beginning of September. um, And somewhere wedged between them is the uh, the sometimes numbered, sometimes not takeover 36. Uh, and it's going to be a weird one. Why is it going to be a weird one? Because everybody's gone. Uh, you got to think that morale around the backstage at NXT is a bit off. Trips, you know, Hunter and Sean, that other guy, Matt Bloom, they're probably not uh, in the best of spirits right now, but they still need to put on a professional wrestling show every Tuesday night. On the USA Network, so let's hop right into this week's edition of NXT. NXT, what does it mean? I don't know, but it's some good wrestling. So NXT, watch and see. Gotta tap out a count out of one, two, three. So where we lost uh, a couple players who would be on kind of weekly television. Like you said, Bobby Fish just had his match, I guess his final match last week against Roddy Strong. Bronson Reed is a recently former North American champion. Um, and... Um, Tyler Russ just got brought into the Diamond Mine. Yeah, we lost a member of the Diamond Mine before even the Diamond Mine got a chance to shine. Hey, look at that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but this week on NXT, um, uh, what we're really building towards, and we, uh, we the, the championship match we know we're getting at TakeOver 36 is Karrion Cross and Samoa Joe. 
That is happening. We know it is. The NXT Breakout Tournament continues to roll on. And uh, this week, we kick off with a matchup uh, with Dakota Kai. That's right. The number one contender for that woman's belt. Dakota Kai takes on Saray, who is still undefeated here in NXT. A couple months into her uh, tenure. But, uh, no, this was a pretty good match. I liked, uh, there was a wild spot where Dakota's, like, hung up on the bottom rope. And then Saray just runs in and hits her with a vicious drop kick to the face. That just looked very, either looked it was bad. stiff as hell or it was sold as amazing. I don't know. It could have been either. Yeah, or both. They're just great workers. Uh, but Dakota survives that big kick. She gets Saray in the corner and hits massive pump kick of her own just a big boot to the face uh and that gives dakota the win ending the undefeated streak of saray uh, a, a small undefeated streak streak and yeah was, i mean it wasn't built was up a monsoon like level <laughs> it wasn't anything crazy like it's like dakota winning here is the right decision and at the same time it you know going into a title match it's like hey you just beat a a decent con- opponent uh yeah yeah and then afterwards, she goes to beat down Saray some more. But Raquel runs out to chase her off, cuts a promo, speaks a little Spanish, says, I take over, you will get your title opportunity. So now it's official. Um, and I think it's also official that, yeah, Dakota's the, the pure heel in this. Yeah. I thought there might have been some wiggle room, but no. Nope. Pure <laughs> heel. And not only that, yeah, this was a long match that lasted through like the first kind of or i think the commercial break happened after this match we got the opening match this was over 13 minutes long easily the best match saray's best match in nxt uh to date and a great showing for dakota kai also yeah no i yeah i really like this match saray yeah it was this was the most we've seen from her that crazy drop kick Left an impression and on me. If this is uh, if this is any indication or whatever of your performers, or maybe just the time, the booking, however it works, this matchup was longer than any match that we got on this past week's SmackDown or Raw. This one, huh, just this one. Fine. Yeah. Uh, it really goes to show. Yeah, you can kind of put people. I you know, and Dakota Kai, we, she's she's in and out with injuries so often. I feel like it's hard to really kind of get a handle on. Okay, how is she as a performer? And then you give these two people thirteen minutes, and you're like, wow, you both can do it. Yeah. No, I think this did a good job of uh, adding a bit more hype to that takeover match. Yeah, very much so. Uh, we go to our first skit. Uh, Dexter Loomis, he's going to pick up Indy Hartwell for a date. So, uh, goes to the Gargano household. And, of course, you know, Candace and Johnny doing the old mom and dad. Johnny's grilling Dexter, uh, you know. Well, yeah. I'll just, I'll just lump it all in now. They go on a dinner date. Same kind of thing. Uh, just Candace and Johnny are just spying on them. Johnny dresses up as a waiter. Uh... Cake gets smashed in Dexter's face, but Indy doesn't care. She just, like, I don't know, goes to kiss him. Ah, yeah, the whole thing well, it didn't do anything for me. Yeah, it fell a little flat for me. Uh, you know, they were trying to be funny. Yeah. They were I trying. Mean, the per- yeah. The performers themselves are good, but, like, yeah, when you got that to work with, there's not much you can do. Yeah, they tr- they, tr- they tried their best, but, hey, can't win them all, right? Yeah. I wasn't offended by it or anything. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, then Ilya Dragunov comes out. 
and cuts a real nice promo. Just kind of, yeah, letting us know who he is and his big upcoming UK title match against Walter and the struggle he's gone through to get here. But then Pete Dunne comes out to interrupt and insults him and says, hey, I'm the king of the UK. So Dragunov just says, all right, let's have a match tonight. Dunne says you're on. So that'll be our main event. You know, these are two of the three biggest stars to come out of NXT UK. <laughs> uh, uh, easily, right? Short oh, of Walter. Absolutely. So, yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, looking forward uh, to this one. Yeah, yeah. In the meantime, we get LA Knight taking on Andre Chase, um, who may or may not have been in the breakout tournament. I can't remember. Okay. Doesn't, yeah, I could tell you. Uh, I couldn't tell you. It didn't look familiar to me. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't was... matter. <coughs> Excuse me. Either way, it was just a squash match where Knight hits his finisher. I keep forgetting what he calls it. I've heard it. It's like that stunner move, but it's not quite a stunner. Yeah, but it's called something else. Hmm. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Uh, afterwards, LA Knight just yells at Cameron Grimes to get in the ring and shine his boots. But then Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, comes out to put a stop to these shenanigans, and he just tells Grimes, come on, kid. I believe in you. These people believe in you. And the crowd cheers him on, and Ted tells L.A. Knight to put the title on the line. And L.A. says, okay, fine, I'll put it on the line at TakeOver. But if I beat him, then you, Ted DiBiase, will now become my butler. Oh, no, a double butler. <laughs> a double butler. And so everyone agrees the match is on. Uh, and, yeah, let's give Grammy the big win we all want to see. I mean, we want it. Uh, yeah, and this has been good. It, between, because it sort of seems like we have this and then the Dexter Loomis Indy Hartwell stuff. These two comedy segments, this one is landing way harder yeah. than yeah. Uh, the Index stuff. And, uh, yeah, and as well as the uh, that EO and Zoe, which they took a break from this week. Though. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I wasn't a big fan of that either. No. But yeah, no, Grimey, I mean, Grimey, you put him in anything, you're, you're going to get a good performance. Yeehaw. Uh, but then we got like a brief little promo video, which they probably should have done months ago when she debuted, uh, just kind of letting us know who Gigi Dolan is. And yeah, I like her. She's got a cool look, the orange hair, the punk rock, the snake bite piercings. Uh, so yeah, she's got a match right now. Gigi Dolan's taking on Amari Miller, who, uh, get a good look at her. You may never see her again. <laughs> This Amari. But, uh, yeah, GG just dominates most of the match and hits this cool finisher. It was like a snap pump handle abdominal stretch thing. Yeah, that um, was pretty, but with a quick <laughs> pop down yeah, uh, like, to, a, yeah, to almost like a, like a sideways through-the-leg suplex or something. Uh, GG Dolan making yeah. uh making her big kind of yeah making her making her win. name clear Gigi Dolan um uh, sometimes when superstars are brought to the main roster or whatever have you they lose a name change a name and you wonder like why would they do that because if you do search Priscilla Kelly which was uh Gigi Dolan's name prior to I'm sure Mike you can recall from a few years ago there was a moment at a uh, indie show at a bar wrestling show down there in the city of Los Angeles where a female performer appeared to have uh, removed uh, from her tights her uh, her Tampa. her sanitary napkin and then uh, <laughs> shove it down the uh, uh. shove it down the throat of her fellow competitor uh, yeah. so it's it makes sense why you would want to change that I, I 
we get it. We, thought, <laughs> we won't be seeing that spot on it. Won't be seeing that spot. That. Although you and I, Mike, we both understood that it was a spot, and it it was clearly not real. Yeah. Once again, I was not offended, but absolutely I would, not. Uh, but you know, you know. I mean, you know those uh those people who can get worked the work of the year. <laughs> I mean, the same people who believe, was, yeah. If we were around for that, that probably could have been the work of the year. The same people who believed that was a real tampon also believed that Lacey Evans was being an <laughs> asshole to that cop. <laughs> like the exact same people believe both. Uh, yeah. But yeah, Gigi Dolan is here uh, in a big way. In a big way, gets her splash, uh, makes her splash. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, gets the win. Uh, she seems cool, so hopefully we'll see more of her. Yeah, hopefully. Then we get the man who runs the show here, Mr. William Regal. He's in the ring with a bunch of security because we're going to mediate this face-to-face between Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly. So, uh, yeah, Regal, he announces to us that the their match at TakeOver is going to be two out of three falls. And each man is going to pick a stipulation. And if we go to a third fall, Regal will pick the stip. Which is pretty much the exact same thing that we saw. <laughs> I think it's literally the exact same thing that we saw yeah. between <laughs> Adam, Adam Cole, Cole and Johnny Gargano. Yeah, take over Toronto. So, I mean, I don't remember each individual stip. But I know we had a cage match at the end there. But uh, either way, Kyle, he announces his stipulation first. Says he just wants a straight up match. Pinfall submission. Because that's what Adam Cole beat him in the last time. So Adam Cole flips the card and says, okay, I want a street fight for my step. Because that's where Kyle beat him at that takeover. So they just start John back and forth on the mic. And uh, Adam Cole's supposed to be the heel. But the crowd was definitely on his side. He's the one they're cheering for. And uh, probably the one I'm cheering for. No offense to Kyle. No offense He's to Adam Kyle. Cole, baby. You gotta do it somehow. Yeah, but anyways, they end up coming to blows. They get pulled apart, and then at some point, they do announce that the third stipulation will be Steel Cage, so it pretty much is <laughs> a copy of TakeOver Toronto. Almost exactly. That's fine. Yeah, almost exactly what we did in that near hour-long matchup uh, that we had. You know what? This is uh, this it's kind of trudging on that territory, uh, <clears throat> maybe reminiscent to the la- latter stages of Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano. Where there was that first match, everybody uh, take over New Orleans, everybody loved it, and then there was the grudge match, and then the or the rubber match, and then the grudge match, and then there was maybe a fourth, dare I say, even fifth match yeah. between those two guys. <laughs> and similarly here, like Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, the first one, fantastic. They had their promos uh, all together, and then they went their second time, and were like, yeah, this is the way you do it. Now it almost feels like a final hoorah. With a uh, a self indulgent stipulation, of course. Uh, Adam Cole also had a uh, wasn't the match against Johnny Gargano the five and a half stars? Wasn't that also two out of three falls? Uh, one of them. I can't remember. They had back to back matches. They had back to back bangers, whatever it was. Yeah. And um, yeah, it almost feels uh, maybe in a uh, a final hoorah for either of these performers in NXT. Uh, with remnants of Ciampa Gargano doing their own thing. Uh, the final match, obviously this matchup will be, f- I th- you know, a lot of hype. I think we're going to enjoy it a lot. But the uh, th- this, this what we saw on television didn't really land it for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the match itself will be good. But, uh, I mean, 
yeah, we already know the build. Uh, there's really nothing else to say. Yeah, exactly. Nothing else to say. Let's just get to that takeover, which I guess we're still two. We, we'll still have two more shows before then. Two more episodes of NXT before then. Maybe it's just one. I think it's next weekend. It's next, next Sunday. Next Sunday. Okay, okay. Yeah, the, uh, this is the 22nd, and today is the 12th. So 10 days. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. not this Sunday, but the Sunday uh, after that. Yeah. Uh, we go to the uh, next the, uh, the next round of our NXT breakout tournament semifinals here. Odyssey Jones takes on Trey Baxter. And uh, Big Man Jones, at this point, he's become my favorite to win the tournament. Uh, yeah, he's, I mean, Baxter, he's agile. It was a fun little match, but uh, pretty short. Odyssey Jones hits Baxter with this spin out Uranagi to get the win. And he's headed to the finals. And I think he's going to win it. He could, which is odd because he's the exact same body type as Bronson Reed. So you're asking yourselves, like, then he's not getting pushed then, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, the NXT trend of taking these tournaments and then having the matches go nowhere uh, is also a thing. But maybe the timing will work out that we can culminate this tournament at the TakeOver, even if it is just in a little, you know, kind of pre-match, or sorry, uh, mid-show mid, mid kind of thing. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Not sure, I guess. Uh... Yeah, they'll have the other semifinal match next week, so that would line up. Yeah, time-wise, we'll see. But then we go to uh, Boa making a rare match here, taking on Drake Maverick. But uh, he's got Mei Ying at his side, but no Zia Lee. Uh, I've heard she's had some dark matches on Raw recently, so who knows what's going on? Oh, that's good because I thought that she was hurt. Didn't something happen uh, the last time we saw her, the last match she was involved with? I remember she hurt Mercedes. That's what it was. Oh, yeah, and then she did. No, she did get hurt as well. With the, there like, there was like a we called off the match quickly. Yeah, kind Raquel of landed on her ribs or something. That's what it was. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. I don't know. But uh, either way, uh, Tian Shaw still together. Tian so. Drake puts up a good fight. He hits a big senton to the floor, but. Then he turns around right into Mei Ying, who just blows smoke into his face, blinding him. Who knows what's in that? It could be, I don't know, tear gas, opium, anything. <laughs> uh, so anyways, Boa takes advantage. Big kick to the back of Drake's head. And that gets a three count. This is a weird one for me. I didn't know Drake Maverick was still in the company. Uh, it was also it was also not a straight up squash. You know, this match was about as long as the NXT breakout tournament match that we had just seen. Uh, and yeah, Maverick maybe sometimes looked better than Boa in in portions of the match. Uh, yeah, felt felt a little bit odd, but yeah, I mean, if like you said, if Zia Lee is on the way to the main roster, Tian Sha could have been kind of over before it had a chance to do anything. Yeah, I mean, Mei Yang, is she supposed to have her fight in the ring, or is she just the manager? I don't know what the deal is. And there was a lot of things with Tian Shao that we thought they would save until the live crowd. But now it seems like they're just going to stay at the CWC with this, uh, uh, with this kind of hybrid... Uh, you know, indoor, or, you know, it's it, this hybrid small uh, crowd kind of thing. I did hear a report of uh, a fan who was at this past week's NXT taping, 
uh, where apparently, you know, all the uh, all the episodes of NXT when we're watching home, they always start with the crowd giving the big, uh, you know, kind of going like a we are NXT kind of thing. That's a big chant that will start before the show even starts. Yeah, exactly that kind of thing. And we are NXT, you know, it's their current uh, slogan. And apparently during a moment of uh, during a brief kind of silent period before the show actually started, uh, one fan started a we were NXT chant and it caught on. (laughs) It caught on for just a little bit before the camera started rolling. That's funny. Uh, Well, let's go to the main event of the show here. We've got Pete Dunne taking on Ilya Dragunov, making his NXT American debut, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, pretty good debut. Uh, this lets you know, if you haven't seen him before, he's uh, this was just hard-hitting. Just technical match, submissions, bunch of strikes everywhere, stiff strikes. Uh, yeah, just going back and forth, tons of near falls, the crowd was going wild by the end of it. And uh, Dragunov, he's all lined up, ready to hit his finisher when Walter's music hits. And he just strolls down to the ringside. This distracts Dragunov a bit, so Dunn comes in and eventually hits the bitter end and gets the win. Uh, And then afterwards, Walter goes to beat up Dragunov, but uh, he's the one that ends up getting hit with the Torpedo Moscow. And Dragunov stands tall to end the show. To end, yeah, stands tall to end the show. God, what's going to happen uh, with this here on the pay-per-view? It's going to be a damn good match. That's what I think it's going to be. a damn good match, whatever it is. Yeah, showing the North American audience exactly who this Ilya Dragunov is if you haven't watched any of his other matches. Uh, yeah, this was a takeover quality match. Uh, especially a guy for someone like Pete Dunne who now just sort of floats around title scenes and things and doesn't have any friends uh you know to be on his side like hit row or legato do uh it was a shame to see Dragonoff lose you know in his nxt debut yeah that part was a little but it wasn't clean it wasn't clean yeah, Walter was there, so I got they got that excuse, but uh, and, still a great match. And I mean, who the heck knows? Is there even a chance that Ilya Dragunov will dethrone uh, the king? Walter's held this belt for over 860 days now. It's crazy. Wow. Uh, so who knows? He could just hold on to it for the rest of his life, for all we know. And that was NXT. Doesn't seem new for now, but who knows? After TakeOver, we could get a whole new logo, a whole new color scheme, whole new superstars pushed. Uh, say goodbye to the little guy, because they're no longer wanted here. Let's, uh, let's, let's cap off our NXT then. How's that sound? The cap is uh, on. We are moving on. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Screwed shut screwed shot well let's uh yeah let's get to our next show then right because there was a winner of that wednesday night war which has left so much grief and turmoil within uh within wwe and it's all because of three little letters i'm talking a e w specifically dynamite a e w all elite they coming for you vince better watch out Sweet. Where we have a pay-per-view of our own, all out, coming September 5th, 
I think. If not, yes, I was right. Uh, September 5th, we have this all-out card, and not really much on the card yet, but surely uh, our AEW World Champion and our AEW World Tag Team Champions will be taking on their own opponents. And to kick off this week's episode of Dynamite, we have all three of those men alongside Don Callis taking on Dante Martin and the Seidel brothers in a classic AEW trios match. That's right. What better way to kick off the show? They love to do that. Um, but no, this was a great choice. This was just fast pace, uh, lots of innovative team maneuvers. Uh, Dante Martin, he was the standout here, just looking real good. Crowd was super hyped up for him. And, uh, yeah, he was just like Ray Phoenix, just flipping around, running on the ropes. The man was on fire. Uh yeah, it comes down to him and Kenny in the ring. He escapes a one-winged angel at one point. Gets a couple near falls on Omega, but eventually gets hit with the V-trigger. The one-winged angel. And then they all do a triple BTE trigger with a V-trigger. What they call it? The BTE V-trigger or something? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the BTE yeah. The B- oh, Wow, there's yeah. a, lot of, a lot of letters. <laughs> Anyways, the Elite get the pin, get the win. Uh, but just fantastic match. What a showing by Dante Martin, I thought. Yeah, this was this was a the and the Pittsburgh crowd was loving it. Don't even know if he's from Pittsburgh. It's great to see uh AEW has these little moments where they showcase a young star. Yeah. And uh they're good across, you know, it's they're they're the type of company now where I think they there's so much talent that they can pull in, you know, from release from WWE, but they also want their own homegrown guys. We have our Darby Allens. We have our uh, Jungle Boys. I think by this point, they're taking credit for Orange Cassidy. But we have, you know, there's always more people that can. MJF, another guy that they built up from the ground to be this dude. And they're going to have to build up their own high flyer at one point. Why not Dante? This Dante Martin kid. He was incredible. <laughs> he was doing, He was doing like flips off the bottom rope. At oh, one yeah. point, and then he kind of reversed himself out of the uh, out of the one winged angel. One at one point, yeah, it was just pff, solid. Yeah, no, that's he reminds me of Ray Phoenix. The way he's just so smooth, just bouncing from one rope to the next and flipping and landing. And uh, I forget is is uh, is his partner injured in Top Flight? I can't even remember the other guy's name. Top well, Flight. I think after this week, uh, none of us are going to remember. <laughs> none of us are going to remember his name. Yeah. Uh, well, Dante Martin, I'll definitely won't forget yours anytime soon. No, you're on, you're on you're on our list, kid. <clears throat> uh, then Don Callis comes out, or I guess he was already out there for the match. He comes into the ring with the rest of the elite. Um, they cut a promo, and Christian Cage comes out with Jurassic Express and. Uh, but the crowd starts chanting for CM Punk at this point, because you know it's it's an open secret. We all know he's coming, and they're excited. <laughs> the world's worst kept <laughs> secret. <laughs> uh, but you know, Christian cuts a promo about, or I guess yeah, he's getting the AEW World Title shot at All Out, and uh, but he lets Kenny know that he's also going to be wrestling him this Friday on Rampage for the Impact World Championship. So that's a bit of, uh, that's a, that's intriguing. Don't know what's going on there. That's a little intriguing, you know? So he's kind of getting two straight title opportunity 
uh, title opportunities for both of those uh, championships. It'll be a little, little, little bizarre, a little different. It's a little, yeah. It's a little WWE like having your title match a week before or a couple weeks before. But I mean, it's a different belt, and who knows? Maybe Christian gets so decimated he can't even fight it all out. Well, and I mean, if we're putting a title, if we're putting a title belt, you know, a title opportunity the week, two weeks before the pay per view, that means they have to have something larger planned for the actual because remember we have this debut episode in pittsburgh and the exact same arena where we just were that'll be tomorrow night but then we then we have the first dance you know yeah. so uh clearly there are bigger things on the horizon yeah and uh yeah we'll just have to see how it shakes out but uh oh yeah they also announced quickly that uh next week on dynamite jungle boy and luchasaurus will get a tag title shot Another it's opportunity. Fun. It's fantastic. Yeah. Then we go to Darby Allen taking on Daniel Garcia. And uh, some some nice mat-based wrest- mat wrestling, which you don't normally see from Darby here. So, yeah, he was showing another side. He's got lots of tools in his toolbox there. But uh, eventually he pulls out the classic, the old needle-nose pliers, and the coffin drop for the win. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> which was, which is great. Yeah, 2.0. They're hanging out there. You know, yeah, uh, they're buddies. You know, they're buddies and Sting. With Daniel. And Sting was also there. I good to see some good Canadian kids, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, being used uh, two weeks straight, unlike their last employer, you know, getting, and getting to share. Imagine you went from being not used on NXT to be, to interacting with Sting on television like that's a huge fucking 180 for your career uh right and yeah darby allen's just on the streak where he just gets wins why he's their biggest fucking built up dude you know he's gonna keep getting wins yeah i mean he's got i mean if christian's ranked number one darby's got to be number two or three in the division right now darby's got to be a number two i would say yeah uh then we go to some how many people we got orange cassidy chuck taylor and wheeler yuda taking on matt hardy and private party six man tag match here uh yeah the fun little spot at the beginning when cassidy goes to do his hands in the pockets routine but matt just keeps stopping him so he grabs hardy's hand and shoves it in his own pocket um and then outside the ring the bunny and statlander are yelling at each other and nyla rose comes out hits statlander from behind and there's just shenanigans everywhere. Jack Evans attacks Orange Cassidy behind the ref's back. Back in the ring, Chuck Taylor starts going on a roll, but uh, there's too much craziness going on. Matt Hardy ends up hitting Utah with the twist of fate to get the win. There was too much crazy. This was overbooked. Uh, yeah. The blade was there. I, couldn't, also. I didn't even remember who was in the match by the end of it. I'm like, what I honestly the kind of almost forgot to. There's also <laughs> this thing. There's too many right now in professional wrestling across the board. There's too many people's or teams' gimmicks who are we make money. Uh, and as a, fa- I don't understand how they make like how the Hardy family office makes any more or less money than anybody else. And I mean, and here, so it's hard, the Hardy private off, uh, private office or whatever they're called. They're like, yeah. we make money. I'm like, okay. And then Andrade is like, but I'm so rich. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then, um, uh, we have even on the, uh, you know, LA night, this, you know, Cameron Grimes is the only of these rich 
and of course King Corbin Pryor. Uh, Cameron Grimes is the only person of this like look at me, I'm rich to be like as as I was in the stock market, GameStop, yeah. yeehaw! Like nobody else explains how or why they're wealthy, <laughs> just that they're motivated by money. And I'm looking at the blade. I'm going like, how is Matt Hardy making? Is is he investing in stocks? Are you purchasing property? Are you flipping homes? Like, tell me why you're rich, not just saying, I'm rich. And we see a little bit later Andrade come in, because of course Andrade and Death Triangle, they've been having this whole thing where uh, Andrade's been fucking with Death Triangle, specifically Lucha Brothers, and then being like, I'll pay for your private jet. And I'm like, why do you have those resources more than other people? I don't fucking get, uh, yeah, it's too many people. This is too many people are doing the I'm rich, look at me thing. Yeah, yeah, this was too much, too much of that, too much overbooking. This whole thing was, didn't really do anything for me. Yeah, it fell a bit flat, but if there's one thing I know, it's that the feud isn't over. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't think it is. But then immediately after this match, Chris Statlander is back out there. Yeah, so I guess that's why we had that attack earlier, because Nyla Rose is taking on Statlander. Uh, But, you know... Statlander, she's one of the best in the business, and uh, she fights back. She hits this amazing, this off off the apron, this one-footed pendulum moonsault, which I've never seen before. But I mean, Excalibur knew the name of it, so someone must have done it before. Excalibur knows more <laughs> names of things than I thought was possible. Yeah. Uh, so she hits that awesome move, and then a little while after that, she hits the area 451 splash. To get the win. So good stuff for Statlander. Pretty big win. Yeah, pretty big win, especially over uh who was kind of slated to be, I think, that next uh the next challenger for that championship. I mean, at yeah, least she did she I've... she just had the title opportunity last week. Chris yeah. La- Chris Statlander could be that next person, but I feel like Britt Baker, I mean, especially on this crowd, I think Britt Baker comes out for a promo uh a little bit. I mean, maybe I uh, maybe, right after. maybe just kind of right after this. And I mean, th- she's over everywhere, but she's especially going to be over in her hometown. Yeah, this this was Britsburg, and uh, everyone was, they had their terrible towels waving around. They were chanting DMD. Uh, Brit herself had an awesome jacket with like the 90s Pittsburgh Penguin and, logo yeah, on and it. Yeah, and everything. And one <laughs> thing, you got to give it to the town of city of Pittsburgh right off the bat. They chose... Uh, all the sports teams got together and they're like, we're going to be the same color, right? Yeah. Pirates, yeah. you guys down? Black and yellow. Uh, Black and yellow. <laughs> Steelers, are you guys down? Penguins, you guys down? Okay, great. We're all the same color. Uh, yeah. Kudos. Kudos to them, though. You don't see that in all the markets, you know? Yeah. I mean, we could have had that in Toronto if Raptor. I mean, Raptors had the Huskies blue and white, right? Yeah, you know, know, and then they kind of, you know, <laughs> went over to the purple and now the red. Yeah, now and, the uh, red. No, no, the red works. We need that. But, uh, yeah, that was your woman. We'll see Britt Baker have that big title match on Friday. Or, wait, yeah, Red Velvet comes out and they brawl. That's what happens at the end here. That's what happens. Red Velvet, still there. That's going to be the main event of the first ever Rampage. Yeah, well, so it, it, it is in. It, it does take place in Britsburg, so. Yeah, no, that makes sense, and it's nice. I mean, that's, hey, you can say you main evented the first ever episode. That'll always be. An accomplishment. Oh, of course, and yeah, I mean, Doctor Doctor Britt Baker just keeps stacking those accomplishments as she goes. Yeah, exactly. 
Then we get an Impact Tag Team Championship match here. The Good Brothers taking on Evil Uno, Stu Grayson. Uh, yeah, I mean, the crowd loves the Dark Order, but most of us don't care too much about the Good Brothers. And unfortunately, those damn Good Brothers hit the Magic Killer, get the win, retain their belts. There was a moment. They had me right at a moment. I think uh, they set up... What do they call it? The fatality, I think? Yeah, the fatality. They set up for that maneuver, and then one of them, I think Gallows, throws the uh, the title in. And then, you know, we get the distraction. This was a great match, though, uh, you know, to keeping the Dark Order alive. Stu Grayson, good Canadian kid. Eva Luno, all equally as good Canadian kid. <laughs> uh, if all the wrestling is one thing, it's the uh, con it's the company that hi that hires Canada. We funnel straight from Canada, and Canada had a huge representation on this show, right? We had Kenny Omega, we had Don Callis, we had 2.0, we had, um, and then, uh, yeah, this one right here with members of the Dark Order. It's, uh, I mean, I and, think, then Chris I think... and then Chris Jericho was our main event. <laughs> Christian I think Cage? Canada's, yeah, Canada's pretty well represented in the wrestling world across all brands. Across all brands, yeah, and there, there was one little funny thing, um... Uh, it was something on commentary. Don Callis said, uh, and we all know the best wrestlers come from one city only, Winnipeg, Canada. And then uh, and then Shivoni was like, how do you know that? <laughs> and then Callis just gives him a, shut up, Shivoni. And you can kind of hear Tony, you know, snicker a little bit in the back. Just, how do you know that? It was a good, you just asked him a question. Just asked him a question. Well, speaking of Tony... Tony Schiavone's in the ring with QT Marshall and uh, the factory there. And QT demands an apology from Tony. and He gets the factory to go and grab his son, Schiavone Jr., right from the front row. Although he's a grown man. <laughs> he's pretty big. Got was, was, he, was he on like episodes of WCW back in the day or something? I like, doubt it. Should we have recognized him? Okay. I don't think so. I think they just pointed out that he was Tony's son. But Okay. Anyways, they grab the son. They start threatening him and holding him hostage so tony's like all right i'm sorry you son of a bitch but then qt says not accepted and then he hits the son with a cutter so maybe the son's training to be a wrestler or something he took a bump took a bump uh but that upset the old giant as paul white then just comes storming down to the ring and uh two of the guys split aaron solo gets shoved into him and eats a choke slam so uh, big show, or sorry, Paul White, uh, maybe making a little in-ring return coming up. No more BS. Yeah, uh, that's what it says. No more big show, sorry. <laughs> no more BS. Um, maybe, I don't know. I mean, because, yeah, Paul White, QT Marshall, nobody cares. Is Now, Paul White just commentaried down there on Elevation, and I think it's Mark Henry who will be the guy doing Rampage. Uh, so, you know, maybe it was just kind of, you know, to remind us that he's here because he does kind of do his work within dark and elevation. Uh, so, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, I still, anything QT Marshall does, I still really don't care much about. Yeah, what's his role within the organization? Uh, is I think he, he's got, I think he's good buddies with Cody and that's why he keeps But is he up. actually like, he's a <laughs> trainer? Because I think this whole, I, I thought this whole factory thing, which is the name of kind of Cody's wrestling school. Yeah. Did, it's has like it their ev performance center. It's their PC. Yeah. Like, has it evolved into something where it's like, oh, yeah, no, he's actually, he's like the Matt Bloom 
of <laughs> this place. I don't know. It could have evolved into this thing where it's like, yeah, we need you to lead all these guys. Yeah, I really don't know. Oh. But let's go to our main event here. Main We've got the event. fourth labor of Jericho. Chris Jericho takes on Wardlow with the stip being that MJF is allowed at ringside. And uh, yeah, the inner circle's already banned. <laughs> Just banned. Uh, yeah. But uh, this one here, you know, starts off pretty slow. Uh, Wardlow's just dominating for a while. He hits the F10, but does not go for the cover. Instead, he just tries to choke slam Jericho off the top rope, but Jericho reverses it, puts him in the walls of Jericho. But then MJF jumps on, on the apron, rakes his eyes behind the ref Aubrey Edwards' back. Um, and then a bit later, he tries to cheat again. He slides right into the ring to give Wardlow the diamond ring. But this time, Aubrey catches him, and she's had enough. She ejects him right to the back. Uh, and during all this hubbub, Jericho is able to sneak in his bat. Floyd and nails Wardlow in the head with it, then hits him with the Judas effect. And that gets him the win. So he's finally earned his way to that fifth, fifth labor, and uh, he'll get a match against MJF. The final labor, 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 labor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get, yeah, so that happens. And then after the match, Sean Spears attacks Jericho. Sammy Guevara makes the save. But then someone else comes out. Then Jack Hager comes out. Pinnacle. You know, all this sort of stuff. We yeah. get all this thing. And, I, and irate MJF announces uh, the final labor, final stipulation for final labor, which is a no Judas effect, no Judas theme song. <laughs> <laughs> I think the theme song. Yeah, no Judas the, of any kind. No Judas of any kind. You can't have uh, no, um, no no Lady Gaga Judah. No no Last Supper analogies. Yeah. Uh, none of this crap uh, just won't happen for the final labor, which I guess is next week. It's not on the All Out card as of right now, which is fine. The All Out card will probably end up being pretty stacked. Um, I think earlier on in the show here, I had mentioned briefly, but this kind of thing between Andrade's group and Death Triangle has kind of been coming to blows, this, that, the other, and Pac told the rest of Death Trial, hey, leave Andrade to me, and Andrade-Pac is the match that we will be getting at All Out. That was announced. Yeah, I mean, hopefully. I mean, Andrade's been around a while now, and I still like we really haven't seen much from him. Just a bunch of promos. In the sense that he had one matchup against one of the Seidel's, where the Seidel performed much, much stronger than Andrade. Andrade's this thing where I don't get it. I don't get him. Uh, Because, again, he's doing this whole, like, I'm rich, I'm the best, I should be booked like the best. But he also has this I don't care kind of thing about him, too. Does yeah. that make does that makes like I don't care enough about what you're doing. I just care about there's there was a WWE performer almost like a Brock thing. He almost has this Lesnar type quality of like the no, I'm better than you. There's no like I'm not going to do this. And then when we do see him, it's like, "Oh, you're half-assing this." And this is a lot from a guy who's Honestly, I think his, and I mean, you know, you and I are not much familiar with his experience prior to WWE and NXT, but he had that five-star match with Johnny Gargano about four years ago, and then I don't think his career ever topped that. Yeah. Uh... Where at least other strong performers, at least within AEW, have, you know, if you look at a Kenny Omega, a Cody type, a Young Bucks, they have 
they have been getting, you know, they have had memorable moment after memorable moment after memorable moment, not just one five-star match five years ago, and now you expect us to think you're king shit. Yeah, and I think he's going to quickly lose whatever, you know, steam he has because, you know, Malachi Black has come in and already a bigger deal, and CM Punk, Daniel Bryan around the corner. And fans care more about him. Yeah. They so, care I mean, more about Malachi Black. Yeah. The shine is off Andrade if there even is a shine, but, uh, I, you know, I, I, if I, you have a big, big performance <laughs> against Pac, you can turn it all around. I wonder if other people feel that same kind of sentiment of, oh, he's not that big of a deal. Yeah. I mean, obviously, AEW, any promotion would be lucky to have him, but not he's not that big of a deal yet. Do something amazing then. I mean, who knows? This could be the match. Pac, <coughs> excuse me, Pac, you know. He's coming off hot off of his, uh, one of his his first five star match, you know, uh, when he was with the rest of Death Triangle a few weeks back, a month and a half ago maybe. They got a five star match a few months ago. Um, Mr. Pack, yeah, Pack did a. Uh, it was Death Triangle. It was Death Triangle and the Bucks back on a Dynamite in April. Oh, and they oh. gave him five stars. I can't remember. <laughs> or Pack and Phoenix, I guess I should say, but yeah. Yeah, Meltzer gave him five stars. Um, I recently, the other day on my Instagram, popped up that clip of when Pac, like, almost, it felt like he won that WWE championship from Seth Rollins. <laughs> Remember yeah. that one? And he, like, the way he rolled, um, it's fucking it perfect. perfection. The way he rolls him up so his foot is closer to like the rope. Oh, hits the rope, yeah. Oh, my Great. God. And then even, like, the ref almost comes down for the three. The whole crowd <laughs> chants three. They all go nuts, and the ref just points both hands He's at like, no, Seth Rollins' no. foot. And all the people just, no! It was, uh, yeah, the one thing with Pac that gets me, which happens. Um, so, every, you know, back, you have your backstage outfit, and you're in the ring outfit. And you're, and you're then you're in the parking lot outfit. You have all your various outfits. Pac has one outfit. It's tights, greasy hair. So you see him Death Triangle. They're wearing like street clothes. Alex Marvez beside them, like wearing street. I'm oh, sorry, Alex Abraham uh, Abrahams is wearing street clothes. They come up to Chavo uh, uh, Guerrera and Andrade, who are wearing fancy clothes, and Pac is still wearing tights and greasy hair. It is. It, it's it's good. It's good. I like this guy. Oh yeah, love Pac. I like them. Uh, and that was all of our All Elite Wrestling. Oh, one more thing. One more thing I really wanted to put over that I noticed last week, but then really noticed this week about AEW's production is when they do backstage segments, they completely cut out the crowd noise. Where on main roster WWE, they're doing a backstage segment. They pump. They don't. They they, they don't pump in the crowd noise. They just mic the crowd so you at home can hear the crowd reacting to uh, whatever is happening in the backstage segment. But it ends up with a little bit of echo delay because we at home are hearing not only the clean audio coming straight from backstage, but then we're also hearing the crowd hearing the audio in the stadium. And yeah. sometimes some words and little phrases can go unnoticed. And I think last week I noticed it briefly and I was like, huh, I, I hadn't ever really noticed it before. And then this week I really did. There was a backstage promo with uh, 
the Bucks, because now they're doing this whole basketball thing, the last dance or the first dance rather. And then I think you know, and they say something like, "Be," uh, they're like, "Beating you, Jungle Boy, is going to be easier than a layup." And then they go up for a layup, <laughs> and then like Jungle Boy there has to stop them, yeah, and they them and they end up getting the, the last <laughs> laugh. And it really hit a lot better, I think, for me. Not, I don't care about the in arena crowd reaction to the segment. Like I'm going to think what I think about it. Uh, have you noticed that before? I mean, I'm sure I, I presume they've been doing this for a long, long time. I just never really noticed until uh, this past week. Yeah, I hadn't noticed. Um, I'm not even sure if it's something that they always do because I don't know. I feel like there's been times when the crowd has reacted to something. I on feel the like screen. there have been times, but this week we got our Death Triangle interview, our Andrade interview, especially in the Andrade and Death Triangle where the performers are speaking in their second language. Yeah, it's this is very important that we hear you, right? That was one problem I think Andrade on the main roster. They never gave him the chance to speak because yeah, he has he's he's not an English speaker, right? He he can he knows what to say. You just got to listen and let him say it, and uh, listen for that next week because I think it ends up you know it ends up feeling a little bit different. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe it's just a production call. Uh, those slight little production things that, you know, kind of make the difference between the two brands. And then let's us kind of decide, hey, which one do we prefer? Which one do we like better? Yeah. And that was, oh my God, that was all of our wrestling week leading up to Rampage, SummerSlam, TakeOver, All Out. Like we have been saying for weeks, it's been a, it's going to be a fantastic end of our summer. Uh, speaking of end of summer, do you like the band Fozzy? Well, if you do, Mike, you should know they are going out on tour with Buckcherry starting September 2nd. Uh, now, of course, All Out is on the 5th. We know this. Chris Jericho does not have a match yet planned for All Out. And, Mike, I can tell you, the other day I was looking at Fozzie's tour dates. I was listening to an episode of uh, Steve-O's uh, show. He had Chris Jericho Wild on ride. there. Of Chris Jericho just being, you know, the Chris Jericho who pretends, like, it's like he think, pretends he knows everything about everything. That exact Chris Jericho. Uh, <laughs> Fozzie's on tour from September 2nd all the way through to mid-October. Uh, so mm. it does seem as though, you know, there's some dates in the middle there that are taken off. It does seem as though, Chris, you, I think you hypothesized it the other day. Chris Jericho might be taking a bit of a break. Yeah, he could be, depending on, uh, I mean, yeah, if the MJF matches next week, they could have a big blow off and who knows how that thing's going to go. Exactly. They kind of go through October and then they pick up again through December on their uh, Fozzie Saves the World tour, uh, including... Um, <laughs> that'll be the day. <laughs> that'll be the day. Including uh, a bunch of dates this fall in Europe, you know, far away from All Elite Wrestling. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens in this labor. Let's get to the end of the show then, shall we? Let's get to our Wrestler of the Week. It's the Wrestler of the Week of the Week. Wrestler of the week, of the week, of the week, of the week, wrestler of the week, of the week, of the week, of the week, wrestler of the week, of the week, of the week. Mike, I'm gonna kick this one off for you. Um, this one was actually a no-brainer for me. I was kind of watching this matchup while it happened. And I was kind of, you know, re reminiscing on the on the week that was, and there was no better recipient of this award for me than Dante Martin, 
We saw him in this trios match against Kenny Omega and Young Bucks, three of the stronger performers, not only in the company, but on the planet, one could argue. And uh, he put on quite a show. The crowd was behind him. Fuck, he could have pinned Kenny Omega right then and there, and the crowd would have <laughs> bought it. Like, yeah. he he brought this fun energy, and he had one hell of a splash over the top rope, too. He got some great air. Uh, great stuff seeing out of him. You know, it's it's great to see that we can have these little performers and all you need to do is just kind of capture the crowd for one match, take a bunch of BTE triggers, and then you'll still be over. I mean, he took some knees to the face, and guess what? He finished off better than he started. Absolutely. Yeah, this was a, yeah, just a star performance from Dante Martin, so I'm going to give it to him as well. Unanimous decision, Dante Martin. What a what a match. What a showing. Uh, yeah, won't forget it. You're forever on the history of the Wrestler of the Week trophy now. You are, you are, and there have been a fair amount of, uh, of, cons- of uh, unanimous uh, Wrestlers of the Week between us, and it's, uh, you know, just to be added to that list is... Uh, is incredible. Yeah. And that's it's worth all the- a tiny bit more when it's, <laughs> it's worth a little bit more when we get to the shooties there. <laughs> and then uh, you know, hey, rookie of the year. Rookie of the year is an award yeah. which does need to be get- given out to uh those performers who are put into the spotlight suddenly and then they do something with it. Uh so love to see it and um that's all the time we have. That is all the time we have for this week's episode of the Shoot Brothers. Thanks for listening, folks. Right, realize the show is everywhere, and uh, God, these next few weeks are almost going to feel like uh, when we were going to Saudi. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be busy. We've got the new show. We got pay per views. We're going to figure out if our show is going to change. We'll we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we're going to have to yeah figure out all of our own things. Uh, but in the meantime, folks, take care of yourself and keep watching. Uh, keep watching that professional wrestling. Oh, yeah. Have a good one. Two.